Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and I'd like to welcome you to a special edition of Popcorn and Compliance. As you know from prior episodes, Megan Doherty, co-founder of One Stone Creative, and I are huge MCU fans. So we've decided to do the MCU movie oeuvre. That's right. We're going to do all of the MCU movies in this special podcast series. Over this series, we will take a look at the storylines, some of the cookies and other cool things. We'll describe the great action scenes from each um, episode, and then we'll take a look at issues raised by each episode. It's going to be a lot of fun. We will take things from the societal angle, from the social justice angle, from the MCU angle, and perhaps even from the compliance angle. But if you're an MCU fan or you're a compliance fan, I know you'll enjoy this episode, we take up one of Megan's favorites, Thor Dark World. This podcast is a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and again with Megan Doherty, and we're back with our newest challenge, where we're reviewing the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe on popcorn and compliance. Why? Well, because it's there, and we're both MCU Uber Geek fans. Uh, there may be other geeks out there, or, excuse me, guests who from time to time join us. But if you're one and you want to join us, please let us know and join in on the fun. We are reviewing the films as they appear in chronological order in the MCU timeline, not by release date. And today we are back with Thor 2 or Thor The Dark World. So uh, I am Tom Fox, the founder of the Compliance Podcast Network Network, and the voice of compliance. And I'm Megan Doherty, co-founder of One Stone Creative. Very glad to be here and excited to be talking about another Thor movie. So Megan, in re-watching this, I got one overarching sense and theme of this movie and that it was, it. the theme was dark. Mm-hmm. It was visually dark. In many ways, it was emotionally dark, uh, almost foreboding in places. Uh, we did have um, Thor and Dr. Jane, his love interest back. That was not dark, but uh, at the end of the day, it looks like that may be over uh, for us, as or as we find out. But I really wanted to start with just that word, dark, and that theme, and wondered if that resonated with you, and then really what you thought of the overall uh, theme of the movie and what it did for you or didn't do. Yeah, I, uh, I enjoyed it. And I think uh, we, we come to this maybe, maybe off air that uh, watching these movies again in this context is a, a really great way to kind of learn more about them and get more out of them. Um, so yeah, I think the styling, you're right, was very, very dark and it had this kind of foreboding uh, essence throughout. Um, and a really interesting um, kind of uh, unusually one-dimensional bad guys. Um, I thought, you know, there wasn't a lot of nuance um, to to the enemies in this movie. Um, and I think that's because ultimately it was a movie about family relationships, more so than good versus evil um, or even the, the romance subplot. So I really thought it was it was ultimately a how is a family going to relate to each other and what does that mean? Um, and I thought that was that was pretty interesting. Uh, that's really interesting uh, about the family because that uh, became uh, very significant in this movie. We had... Thor and his father, King Odin. We had Thor and his brother, Loki. We had mm-hmm. Thor and his mother. We had his father and his mother. We had his Loki and his parents. Um, 
I'm going to throw in there in the family relationship, uh, his love interest, uh, Jane Foster, uh, because I think uh, it, it it got pretty serious. Mm-hmm. You know, she met the parents. Uh, <laughs> so and what a first impression, eh? <laughs> I, you know, I always I always just chuckle in movies when they say, "You told your parents about me." Oh my God! You know, as if that's something uh, something significant. Um, uh, and then, of course, you have to meet the parents. And mm-hmm. they're uh, not only royalty, but they're gods. So do you ever measure up? I don't know. So, um, <laughs> but the, it's interesting also your thoughts on the one dimensionalness of the bad guys. I really saw it as, uh, the, and you're absolutely correct. They are one dimensional, but I saw it as focus and mm-hmm. that uh, they were there either for destruction or revenge or perhaps both. But uh, I thought that made them actually more interesting bad guys um, because they were so focused and uh, creation of the uh, what led to either the magical potions or the aether, I think it was called, uh, mm-hmm. leading to <clears throat> the infinity stones. Uh, I thought all really worked in a in, in a magical way, in a magical universe. Um, certainly the Avengers have magic in it, and, but I thought it brought more of that magic into the overall theme of this uh, movie. No, I think that that's a fair comment. And, and I would like to say, you know, I'm not without sympathy for the Dark Elves. Because, um, you know, looking at, at their kind of overall arc, here they were, you know, minding their own business in a perfectly nice dark universe, having a life and a society and a culture, and then all of these other beings uh, come here and they bring in all this horrible light and then they get all angry and start battling when you're just like, hey, leave us in the dark. Um, but, you know, still kind of as, as, um, as enemies, uh, they, they were pretty, yeah, let's, let's unambiguously burn it all down, <laughs> whether or not that is a fair thing, uh, to, to want. I want to say a word about Natalie Portman. Uh, I talked about her in the first movie. I think she's a great actress. I'm not sure if she's retired. Uh, I don't recall having seen too much of her lately, uh, but I thought, uh, her role in, uh, this uh, Thor movie, uh, I don't want to say expanded because she was central to the first one, but I saw a lot of character growth and uh, really uh, became a much, uh, she was strong, a strong woman in the first one, but, but she became stronger in this in a different way, not necessarily simply as a scientist, which was her primary role in the first uh, movie, but uh, I really enjoyed her role. What did you think of uh, Natalie Portman as Jane Foster in this one? opposite reaction uh i think i liked her more in the first one when she was a lot more about like the scientist who has the overarching goal that isn't um oh my gosh i love the thor um and i mean they have a a lovely lovely relationship but i thought i thought she was a little more interesting in the first the first movie Uh, she spent a lot of time kind of um being a damsel in distress um in this one uh which is is not my favorite role i think for her um so far uh it was nice that at the end she kind of got back uh, to, you know, her scientific roots uh, with saving the day uh, with quantum mechanics. Um, I, I love Stellan Skazagard, uh, who is uh, Dr. Selvig. Oh, and uh, his early part of this movie where he's alleged to have gone crazy uh, because he's at Stonehenge running around uh, in apparently his birthday suit and uh, gets put in a... Uh, uh, mental, some sort of mental facility where uh, Stan Lee is also uh, biz- <laughs> housed. Uh, I thought that was really cool. And then the 
the big chalkboard writing he had done in his room, uh, that's a clear sign that someone's gone over the edge, uh, either that or they're, you know, a detective <laughs> and uh, are trying to catch uh, some massive serial killer. But I enjoyed uh, that part of his role. And then I really enjoyed uh, Darcy, the assistant. She oh, so uh, she was there for comic relief in the first one. Uh, she is there for comic relief in this one. And uh, she... It's almost like she's doing running commentary on Thor and Jane. And uh, I thought that was really funny. Um, I didn't, uh, in our past, our last podcast, rather, which was on uh, Iron Man 3, I really uh, didn't mention one thing that struck me about this one, uh, Thor the Dark World, which is the special effects are just fabulous they're this as you as you would really expect good. when you have an unlimited budget they're top of the line but the uh, <laughs> the attack at greenwich in england uh i was watching that most carefully and and ships come out of the sky and then go across the land and tear up the earth uh and it's it's just seamless and it's hard to really see where the special effects started or stopped in the movie real film began or digital um and and they were just uh, really spectacular for me, and and it's been that way really throughout this series, uh, and and we've commented on a couple of others, but uh, once again, uh, I found the special effects uh, just just fabulous. Um, what uh, uh, any uh, further thoughts before we get to uh, kind of cookies or any of the noodles? We're going to have a quick word from our sponsor, and we'll be right back. Uh, yo, I love the um, the cookies and the noodles. Um, I love those ships that you're talking, like the um, uh, the dark elves ships. They were so cool in action. So you know, cloaking and uncloaking, and then zipping through the city, kind of twisting around like knife blades. Just a, a super good, terrifying type ship style. And yeah, before we get into cookies, I just wanted to talk a little bit about um, a particular moment, and it was um, after Frigga had been killed uh, and that extremely beautiful funeral scene and Odin is making the plans no we are going to stamp them out if it takes every last drop of Esquardian blood we're going to do it and in a real reversal now Thor is saying no we have to be more moderate no we can't sacrifice all these lives and I thought that was a really interesting moment where they had kind of changed roles in the face of this tragedy um and and yeah I thought that was a fantastic moment and a really good way to set Thor up kind of for the next phase of his arc within the MCU um and of course, just a little bit on um, Loki's trickery. Um, even watching this movie for the second time, I, I couldn't pinpoint exactly where it was where he actually escaped and, and made it out and what was an illusion and what was real the whole time. So I'll, I'll call that exceptionally well done. Maybe we should talk a little bit about Loki here uh, because you really mm-hmm. saw, I think, more phases of Loki. You saw him clearly as the trickster. Uh, you saw him as the brother, uh, the hurt brother, um, the prodigal son, even, uh, but you also saw him as extraordinarily manipulative and uh, close to uh, the evil we saw in uh, the Avengers movie where he, he led the attack on New York. Um, so, uh, just a wide range of versions and visions of Loki. And if we tie it back to your thoughts on uh, this, is just a, really about family. Uh, I'm not sure how, as a sibling, you could deal with someone who had that many different uh, 
personalities within them. Um, maybe as a brother or sister, you know, the real them or they, the real personality, and you can tolerate that. But uh, he he was close to pretty evil in some parts of this one. And um, just struck me that you really can never trust Loki. He is. And, and, and that's, I think, such one of the things that makes him such an interesting character. Um, because he is ultimately untrustworthy, but he's also self-aware enough that he, he, it's totally understandable that every time you think, oh, this time, this time he got, he gets it, you know, he gets why this is wrong, he gets why this is hurtful, he gets why this is dangerous. Um, and I think, I think Loki believes he's a lot tougher than he is at the end of the day. And he often, you know, he writes bigger checks than he can cash for his behavior. Uh, and it's interesting to see that getting started even now um, before he gets more of his arcs going forward. My uh, Easter egg slash cookie slash noodle, Megan, in this one comes at the end of the movie when we see the collector. Oh, yeah. For the first time. <laughs> and I forgot how delicious this scene is. Uh, the collector has a small but significant role really throughout the uh, MCU. Um, and we're also introduced uh, to the Infinity Stones. Mm-hmm. And, uh, when I saw this the first time, I really didn't understand kind of that whole scene. Obviously now, uh, having seen uh, all of the movies in the uh, MCU, uh, it's it's much more clear to me what this is. But that uh, t- has turned out, I think, to be my favorite foreshadowing of all of the scenes uh, at the close of the movie that we've had. And the even just, uh, it probably wasn't, 60 to 90 seconds of total screen time, but I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, what were some of the key ones or ones you enjoyed the most? Uh, this one is, uh, I definitely did not notice this while watching. I was uh, uh, reading up the IMDb on the film, um, but Malekith is a Doctor Who, um, Chris Eccleston, um, which I thought was kind of fun. Um, I really, uh, one of the opening shots of this uh, film let uh, kind of demonstrated one of my bigger annoyances uh, when you have badass fighting women. Uh, there is no way you could be that skilled in battle and not tie your hair back before you get into it. It just doesn't make any sense to have hair flowing around while you are kicking that much butt. It gets in the way. And uh, then the scene where um, Thor has just freed Loki from prison in Asgard and they're walking out and he's shifting into the different people he could be walking with, particularly Chris Evans, Playing Loki, playing Captain America was hysterical. Um, absolutely laugh out loud, hysterical, having a rousing conversation about truth. And uh, finally, every time Darcy says Mew Mew when talking about Mjolnir um, is an absolute win. Uh, I agree on the, uh, the cat. Uh, did you have any, uh, any other cookies or things you enjoyed? <laughs> uh, actually, the Captain America scene was, uh, was very cool. And, and this is not a cookie, but I found it... Uh, really both very funny and very poignant when Jane is uh, trying to uh, have a real life or at least a normal, more normal life and tries to date or at least go out on a date with uh, a non-God person <laughs> as opposed to a Thor boyfriend. <laughs> Who seemed like a perfectly uh, nice guy. <laughs> he did. He did. And those scenes I thought both played, as I said, poignantly and comic relief. Um, There's one thing I discovered in researching 
this uh, for this podcast that there was an alternative ending filmed, and it explained oh. why uh, Thor and Jane really ended their relationship or their relationship didn't continue because at the end of this movie, Thor renounces the crown uh, of um, Asgard in part because he wants to be with Jane on earth. Mm -hmm. It's also because he now sees earth as his protectorate, but we um, in the alternative scene uh, we see a little bit in this movie, but he and, Jane are on earth and they're having a cup of coffee and she tells him as much as she cares for him, his destiny is on Asgard and his destiny is to be the king of Asgard. And she can't be a part of that. Um, she's not Asgardian. Uh, she's not a goddess, a God, and that he, uh, they're going to have to forsake their, their love for each other so that he can fulfill his destiny. And then at the end of that, they walk off and have a very, um, very romantic kiss. And that's where she says goodbye to him. Um, and that really explains what happens in uh, the next series of movies. We see a little bit, we saw the kiss in this movie, um, but it, it seemed at the end of the version we did see that he and Jane were destined for something more than we got from the rest of the MCU. Did you feel like uh, he and Jane were going to be an item down the road or uh, did that really uh, was not something that really either you concerned you or, or worried about? I found the whole thing a, a little bit silly um, because I mean, even if, if you know, Thor had to take some time away from Asgard to, to have a nice life with Jane, I mean, what's a human life like lifespan to an Asgardian? You know, it 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 it's kind of as a percentage of the whole, a lot less time. So you know, let him go enjoy thirty or forty years um, having a nice relationship, and what's the big deal? Um, but I can definitely understand if if uh, Jane didn't want the the distraction of a superhero partner, um, so she can just get on with her work. Um, I, I never found myself terribly invested in their relationship. <laughs> um, so so I. Whatever they chose, that's that's fine. <laughs> what I didn't get is why he disappeared for two years and couldn't even, like, send a phone call or an email. He was on Earth long enough to know what those things were. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably one of our key differences in me being a boy and you being a girl. I completely understood that. <laughs> oh, two years. Yeah. Oh, oh I meant to. Uh, but I am back now. Let's, you know, let's just hook right up. Uh, what do you mean you want to talk? Uh <laughs> That's such a guy thing. Yeah, I got it. Um, So, uh, well, Megan, as with uh, all of the movies that we've seen, I've thoroughly enjoyed them, re-watching them for this um, podcast series. But I'll have to end up really with where I started, which was The Darkness. And, the you know, we've talked about that. The title is, I thought, perfect. And even with The Darkness, I thought it brought a texture and really expanded what I knew of Asgard, what I knew of Thor and Loki, obviously Odin as well. Um, so uh, uh, I really uh, enjoyed this. And uh, I, wanted, uh, I know Thor is your favorite character, so I'm going to ask you to maybe close us out uh, with your thoughts on this movie and how it really fits into the 
Thor trilogy, at least the trilogy so far. I, I always kind of wonder, you know, when these movies were made, how far in advance they were planning for, for trilogies. And this one was a really dark film, but it really, it was Thor's growing up film. Um, you know, he had kind of his coming of age, I guess, in the first one. And here he had the, no, I actually am going to be, um, you know, a man and a person, not just that my father can be proud of, but that I can be too. And I think that sets him up to be ready um, to be a much more involved and interesting character uh, in the rest of the MCU. Uh, and, you know, about the, this movie being so dark and, you know, so much of it's so grim, uh, it makes you appreciate the light at the end so much. Um, and, and kind of the, the lighter tone, maybe, that is going to be coming uh, in the next Thor standalone movie. Well, Megan, uh, as always, I greatly enjoyed um, this episode, and uh, I hope our listeners um, will join us again for our next episode in Popcorn and Compliance, the MCU series, where we take up... I am ready for that soundtrack. Galaxy, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 1. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Popcorn and Compliance, the MCU series. Hope you will join Megan and I again for our next episode where we take up the Avengers. Also, I'd like to tell you about a special podcast series that recently premiered on the Compliance Podcast Network, Trial of the Century, the Enron Trial, where with business journalist Lauren Steffi, who covered the Enron Trial, we take a look at the trial of Enron as opposed to the bankruptcy. I know you'll enjoy it if you like fraud, if you like trials, or you just like a good story. Check it out on the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.